Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, and you are listening to Transformational Energy Leadership coming to you from the heartland of America. Now, during the show, I encourage you to go to my website. That's Transformational Energy Leadership. Do it during the breaks where you can find out more about me and my business offerings. And you can also contact me. That's mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can find me on this platform. That's voiceamerica.com under the Empowerment Channel. And, of course, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. Now, today we're talking about a powerful skill every transformational leader needs to influence and make positive change. And what am I talking about here? Embracing the art and science of persuasion. Now, I'm thrilled to have a longtime colleague of mine, Dr. Barbara, Bu- Barbara Bush, Dr. Barbara Schwamm, <laughs> join me today and share her expertise with us. And I'll tell you, I've seen her in action, transforming individuals, organizations and lives through the power of communication. So let me tell you more about her. Barbara is the managing principal of communication partners and a professor at Northwestern University. She is a nationally recognized leader in business communication and has served as president of both the Association for Business Communication and the Association of Professional Communication Consultants. Barbara is also co-author of two textbooks, The first one is called Graphics and Visual Communication for Managers, and the second is called Business Communication, colon, Polishing Your Professional Presence, now in its fourth edition. And she and I have partnered together delivering all kinds of communication workshops with people representing multiple fields, industries, and sectors. So everyone, my colleague and friend, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership, Barbara. Thank you so much, Matt, for inviting me to be on your show and to talk about one of my passions as a communicator, the power of persuasion. I know, you know, when you and I were talking about this and you brought up this whole concept of persuasion, it just lit a light bulb because you're absolutely right. Leaders need to have it. And so I really want to start our conversation by asking you, what do you really mean by persuasion and why is it not a top of mind topic when we think of leadership? Well, let me answer the second part of that first because of misconceptions about persuasion, which is why I think it's not a top-of-mind topic when we think about leadership. You know, oftentimes when people think about persuasion, they think about something that's closer to manipulation. They think about getting people to do things that they might not otherwise be inclined to do or doing it for perhaps the best interest of the person who's trying to, quote, unquote, persuade or manipulate. Or they think about it in terms of sales as opposed to leadership, because sales is certainly the field in which persuasion is most commonly kind of pegged or or thought about. 
So, you know, it's uh, it, it becomes not not such a common topic when we think about leadership as you have so often talked about on your show influence is more likely the term that people would be using when they are thinking about 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 moving people to action not persuasion but i the way i define persuasion really is in relationship to influence so if mm-hmm. we're going to think about influence as having a kind of vision of an, an optimum outcome for a situation, um, having a, a larger vision, and then without forcing or coercing people, motivating them or moving them toward that vision to accept and to, to fulfill that vision, if that's what influence is, or at least one definition of influence, then I see persuasion as an element of how we do that motivation. How do you, how do you move people to, to take a position or to understand a position or to, or to move in your direction? You might want to say it that way. And that's really what I think, um, that's really what I think persuasion is, that, that element of, of influence that gets people to move. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I agree with you. It's really, I see influence as the umbrella, if you will, and persuasion fits in there nicely. It's a, it's a tool. It's a, a skill. And, and we hear all the greats talk about it. You think of Bass, Bennis, Yukel, Greenleaf, Greenleaf, and all the other gurus in leadership talking about influence and what you're saying is it's 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 something that helps move things forward and I'm so glad you delineated from you know that not using it for manipulation and and not thinking of it as oh a sales rep a car sales person does it but it's really something that all of us need to do yeah, exactly. Um, manipulation, you know, if you think about what the, what the real differences are between persuasion and manipulation, I, I think about it as like three kinds of differences, or, or let's talk about two of those, two real kinds of differences. One has to do with intent, and the other one has to do with transparency. So, you know, a really good persuader is going to be thinking about the audience, going to really be thinking about how to move someone in a direction by understanding how moving in that direction is actually good for the audience, not necessarily good for the leader. Um, it will be good for the leader, too, but that won't make it persuasive. We really have got to think about the audience. But when you're thinking about manipulation, typically people manipulate in order to, for their own benefit, not for the benefit of the mm-hmm. audience. So there's an intent issue. And they often do it by being a little sneaky and deceptive, not quite telling the truth, not making the intent of what they really want to do clear to somebody. Right? Mm-hmm. So if, for example, you think about a leader who is aiming to motivate people to work harder or to produce more, knowing that the real intent is that that leader will, from, from his or her board of directors, get a, a bigger bonus. That's manipulation, trying to mm-hmm. get people to do more for your own benefit. But if you get your audience, your, the people that you're working for, thinking about the shared vision of what this company can, can do, and, um, and you, you motivate them to work harder, that's more like persuasion. 
Gotcha. Does would you see this also resides in the work dating all the way back to Aristotle when you think about ethos, pathos, and logos? Yeah, absolutely. When we think about, you know, typically, you know, at the heart of persuasion, because persuasion is is really really depends quite a lot on on reasoning and argument. So logos is at the at the heart of persuasion. But but it can't be just any argument. It has to be an argument that will move and make sense to your audience, right? And in mm-hmm. order to do that, you may have to add some pathos to be thinking about that audience's emotions, really thinking about who that audience is. In the same way, a logical argument is not going to move people unless they trust and believe you, and that's the ethos part from Aristotle. So you have to be a really credible person. Um, the, the Aristotelian term ethos most closely translates today into credibility, and what really builds that credibility so that people want to move in your direction and believe mm-hmm. that you're doing things for either a greater good or their best interests rather than for yourself. Right. So, I'm a big fan of Aristotle. Yeah. <laughs> He's got staying power over the and years. And isn't it it's tried and tested over time that is so true. Those three elements really have to be there. I, I use that. I, I rely on that so much when I'm doing public speaking workshops, for example, that, yes, you have to have the logic there. That's obvious. You've got to have – you have to be ethical. And there's also that component about – really being able to connect with other human beings and it comes through care it comes through you know love whatever word you want to use but there if that element's gone as well your ability to persuade it's really diminished when you say i would absolutely agree yeah yes um you know people think about you know oftentimes one one mistake that leaders make is to think that their position in and of itself is a source, is the, is the main and most important source of credibility. So because I'm a CEO, because I'm the senior vice president of so-and-so, that you, you have to believe me, you have to look at me, you have to listen to me, that I, that I have authority, and that that is the source of credibility. But that rarely works to actually persuade people. It can work to force people to accept something, but not right. really to move them to accept it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, along this vein of talking about, because we have to talk about authenticity and, you know, being genuine and all those types of things. And maybe this is a, a maybe I'm leading you into my next question, but I want to, want to ask you, because you do work on a day-to-day basis, you work with so many different people representing different walks of life. And, you know, in the work that you do, you engage leaders across sectors and industries around the world. In fact, you were just in Germany last week, I know. And, you know, and so you think about and reflect on this thing called persuasion, where are leaders falling short? Well, let me take a couple of things to talk about that I see pretty routinely. The first one is that Leaders might, with their, with a, with a small group of people, they might make a decision behind closed doors. Essentially, they might work with a board of directors, with their executive team, or, um, 
you know, others high up in an organization to make a decision and then come out from behind closed doors and try to get other people to accept it. So Mm -hmm. that might be by way of an announcement. It might be by way of uh, a memo that they might write or an email that they might write. But they aren't actually thinking about their audience. They're thinking about their business. They're thinking about their decision. But they're thinking that people will simply have to accept that position because that's the way it is. And they want to explain it to people. But they don't know enough about their audience to actually be able to persuade them mm-hmm. and to okay. move them and to frame it in a way that's going to make sense to their audience because they simply believe that people have to accept this decision. And they're so, so that dangerous. That's a big problem. Yeah, that's dangerous when you think about it, too, when you want to be authentic. And I've certainly been the recipient of those types of communique, and they don't always feel good. Sometimes they're okay, but a lot of times they, don't, they just don't connect. Right. And what happens when I've been the recipient for those kinds of things, what often happens is that you lose a measure of respect for the leader. You think, why are they telling me this? Why didn't they ask? Why don't they understand what, what the issues are? Why do, they, why do they frame this as, this is a, a phrase I see a lot, I'm sure you'll understand that, blah, 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 whatever that right. is. And you think, well, <laughs> right. I don't actually understand. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yes. <laughs> that that was the only decision that you could make. And there were many other ways that they could have solved a problem, but this is what they decided, and it's just presented as a, a fait accompli. Yes. And that, that kind of goes along with a couple of other shortcomings that, that I often see. And one of those, for example, is that people think of persuasion as an event and not a process. Like, you send out the memo, it's done. You have mm. the meeting, it's done. You have the teleconference, it's done. And then people have to accept what it is you say. But persuasion is something that is iterative and happens over time. It requires understanding your audience and frame and, and even practicing some framings to be sure that you are really focusing on what makes sense to your audience, how what you are, what, what your position is, is something that aligns with your audience's values or goals. And mm-hmm. that isn't a one-step process. You know, it isn't just an event. It's a process that has to happen over time. And I see that as a place where leaders often fall short. Absolutely. We're human beings who need to have, we need to understand the why behind things. You know, Barbara, we're at a really, this is awesome. And I think you said there were three different pitfalls. And what we need to do is take a break right here. And let's pick this back up after the commercial break and continue our conversation. So for everyone out there, stay tuned. Go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. And we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader... 
that it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you where you want to be right now? We live our lives sometimes looking at others and thinking, the grass is always greener on their side, not realizing that we have the power within us to pursue our dreams. It begins with a head start in the right direction, and that head start is with host Carla D. Walker and From the Inside Out. Believe in your abilities and take action. Listen live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back. Today I'm talking with Dr. Barbara Schwamm, she's a lifelong professional committed to the power of communication and fundamentally the art and science around persuasion. And arguably, arguably, persuasion is necessary for any leader to have impact. And it is a requirement for a leader to be truly transformational. Now, before the break, we were talking about persuasion and how it's often not top of mind when we think about leadership, yet there is a true linkage to the aspect of influence for a leader to really be effective. And before the break, Barbara was sharing her views on how leaders fall short on embracing persuasion. And in fact, we got through two and she said she had three areas. And the first one was about, and this might sound familiar to many of you out there listening, leaders go in behind closed doors, they make decisions, come out and pronounce the, the, a decision that was made without really thinking about the audience. The second one she mentioned was thinking about it as more of an event and not really a process and that really to be persuasive is an iterative process. And so, Barbara, I turn it back to you. What's the third area that's a pitfall for leaders? This is a little harder one, but it is definitely a pitfall, and that is, I would call it digging their heels in. In other words, you know, to, in order to be persuasive, there really needs to be a benefit to the audience, to, to the people that you're talking to. And, and if you're in thinking about what it is you're, persua- you're trying to persuade people to believe or to do, or you're trying to persuade them to move, if you can't find a benefit to your audience, a very wise leader is going to think about 
moving or changing his or her position or plan. You know, if there is no benefit, then then you might decide that you simply have to continue to do what you plan to do and recognize that you'll never be able to persuade people to accept it. You will just sort of take your lumps and, and do it. But if you want to persuade people, then maybe you, you step back a little bit and think, well, I've got this big goal that we have to accomplish, and I had a plan toward achieving this goal, something that I thought would work. I can't see how I can get my audience to really buy into this, to these ideas. So maybe I ought to step back a little bit and think about whether there's another way that I can achieve that larger goal. Maybe I have to modify my plan. And so people fail to be persuasive sometimes because they, they keep trying to persuade something to people of something that is unpersuadable. You just can't get people to accept. You know, I have such a tacit example for you. I recall years ago at my firm, we were rolling out a brand new timesheet software, timesheet and expense software. And because this is good for the business, it's a better way to track time and better way to, you know, keep track of expenses. And as the rollout was going out, the benefits were completely left out in terms of how this would benefit all the employees. Because, you know, and I'm sure many of the listeners listening to the show right now can commiserate when you get this new software for timesheet tracking that you just go, oh, you know, another tool I have to learn and it's going to stop productivity and, you know, it's going to get in my way. And it was such a big lesson because it took the organization it took them a long time to get everyone on board because they just didn't understand the benefits to it. And when you talked about iterative process, and when I reflect back, what a big mistake we made as management. We didn't do the iterative thing that you were talking about. And it, so that it, it makes perfect sense. I don't know if my example is what you're thinking, but it was something that was just so obvious when you think about change and persuading others. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good example. Another example that I use at my teaching in the university comes from a, a business school case that I that I love to teach because it so it so captures this issue, and it it happens it it is about a um, a manager in a manufacturing company who is hired a senior vice president who is hired in order to reduce the costs of purchasing materials. And he decides, sort of behind closed doors, that the best way to do this is to consolidate purchasing throughout the the company. There are 30 plants throughout the company, and he wants to consolidate and get one supplier for all of this kind of widget and another supplier for all of that kind, rather than having the purchasing be done by each individual plant. And he rolls out this plan, and he gets no buy-in from anybody. But what he didn't think about, in the same way that you're talking about here, is that there's virtually no benefit to the individual plants for this plan. Mm -hmm. And that there may be any number of better plans that he could have. For example, he could have the individual managers recommend excellent suppliers rather than find those suppliers centrally or internally just in his office, in the home office. He could have all of the the managers from the 30 plants come together 
and brainstorm how best to solve the problem in ways that meet their needs as well as the company's needs to remain more competitive and to save costs. Yes, invite them in the dilemma. His plan as the only plan. Mm-hmm. And he fails. Right. And he fails. And then that brings me to in the opening, we were talking about looking at persuasion as both an art and a science. And so my question for you, thinking about these examples and what we've been talking about so far, what do you really mean by calling persuasion an art? Well, that is an excellent question. <laughs> I, I mean a number of different things. One is that it requires, that to be persuasive requires that people develop a set of, a set of skills and a mindset and, and really develop some talents that they may not originally have. One, for example, is the, the talent of, or the, the activity of listening. With, I think of that more as an art than a science. You know, in order to, in order to really understand how to move somebody, you've got to be able to listen to that person and to listen to that person deeply and with heart and with caring. You have to have some empathy. And when I think about this as an art, I go back to my graduate school days where I was in graduate school not in any business or communication-related field. I actually was studying 19th-century British literature. And one of my favorite writers in 19th-century British literature is the poet John Keats, Mm. who had a concept that really sticks in my mind, and it is what he called negative capability. Mm. So what is negative capability? Negative capability is the ability to be in uncertainty for a while, the ability to be quiet and perhaps a little passive and to, and to really listen to and understand somebody else, to project yourself into that other being so that you really understand where they're coming from. John Keats was talking about negative capability and his ability to understand a nightingale. But we can think of a business leader as having that, that art of being able to really listen with ears and with heart to understand what will move somebody and to see how and, and not to be thinking about how to use that mm-hmm. in order to make somebody agree with them, but just really listen and then go back and reflect. So it's an art of listening, an art of reflection, and the art of framing is another part of this. Okay. How do we frame something so that it makes sense to somebody else? Mm. How does our materials manager frame his problem so that it makes sense to the audience? It becomes their problem, too. It becomes their solution, also. It's to their benefit, Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not a science for how to do this. It's something that you have to think about and practice. Um, sometimes I use the word when I'm thinking about making these arguments. The word that I use is from a different art, from theater. I use the, I use the word audition. I like okay. to audition ideas, to try them out and see. Oh, there you go. 
what story yeah. we are telling and how that's going to speak to my audience. Yes. This is all art, not science. It absolutely is. And as to your point, it requires effort for us to, because I would argue that so many of us just are not good at really listening. I'm loving this negative capability and being in that place of uncertainty. So that's that's the art piece. Let's go to the other side of it. What's the science behind persuasion? The science behind persuasion really comes from the fields of behavioral science and psychology where people have been studying for many years what are the kinds of things that trigger people to action, what what kinds of things reduce barriers, what kinds of things make people feel good about acting and doing. And one of the big names in this field that I imagine many of your listeners have heard of is Robert Cialdini talking about the art of persuasion, or excuse me, the science of persuasion. All of his books focus on this idea of, of um persuasion being a science, and he's identified a number, of, a number of things that help people accept ideas. Mm-hmm. These are things that could absolutely be used manipulatively and negatively, but on the other hand, they can also be used in ways that reduce the barrier for acceptance. So, for example, one of his Ideas and and to just to step back a little bit, I'm call, we call it a science. He calls it a science because, as a social scientist, he has done innumerable experiments to see if these things work or how these things work. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of his ideas is consistency. So, people which which really involves trust, and people are more likely to act in a certain way if it's consistent with how they have acted before. Right. So if as a leader, you you know that people have expressed as their values, for example, let's say it's sustainability or environmentalism. Let's say you have people in your, your organization who really care about that, and that's what your organization cares about. If you were to frame what you're trying to get people to, to see or to do as helping that thing, environmentalism or sustainability, which they've already committed to, they are more likely to do it than if they've never committed to something before, even if it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And that's such a great example because we're seeing that all over right now, too, with inconsistency. And we hear about this. You're talking about behavioral psychology and behavioral science and, and that that area. Just uh, also, of course, in the leadership liter- literature that's out there in the theory and all the research that's out there. When a person walks the talk and they lead their life in a way that's consistent, like you said, with values and with their morals and everything they espouse to be, that is so much more, has so much more impact with others to be persuaded, if you will, to go towards that, that ultimate goal that we were talking about earlier. Here we are, Barbara, we're already at, at, at time for a break. So what we're going to do when we come back, let's continue this conversation about the power of persuasion and exactly what can leaders do to really expand their full capabilities. So for the listeners out there, we'll catch you on the other side 
right after this commercial break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a game changer in disguise? Are you tired of waking up every day saying, they soar like eagles and I'm stuck in the nest? Well, wonder no more. It's time to soar. Of the world's millionaires, billionaires, and game changers, almost all started with at least one unique idea. Join Crystal for a controversial look at triumphs, tragedies, tools, and secrets for living a fun, financially free life with their successful guests. Listen to Soaring with Eagles, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment and get ready to soar. Do you keep past regrets, hurt, pain, and disappointment with you for years or even a lifetime after the experiences? Feel free to clear the air and express yourself as a creative, intuitive, and powerful woman. Listen to Heal Past Wounds and Bring Joy Back with host Andrea Lewis. Andrea and her guests will show you that whatever happened in your past, it doesn't have to define you. Get ready to bring joy back into your life. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back. Today, my guest is Dr. Barbara Schwamm. She's a communication expert, professor, and author of multiple books focused on communication. And we've been talking about the art and science behind being persuasive. Arguably and fundamentally, it's a skill for all transformational leaders out there. And so, Barbara, you know, before the break, we were having a great conversation where you were differentiating between persuasion being not only an art, but a science. And this brings me to my next question, because we often see persuasion, of course, there's the written form, but so much of it's done in person. You know, you and I sitting together, and often I think we could argue that's probably where it has the most power, or I don't don't know if power is the right word, but it has the greatest impact on one human being with another. And so I want to ask you, how does body language fit into all of this? We can think about body language in a couple of different ways. One of them is, or we can look at it from two perspectives. One is the body language of someone who is aiming to persuade. And then what we see in the body language of people who we are talking to or aiming to persuade. So it's, it's what we do and then what we see that can affect our response. So we were talking before the break a little bit about the science of persuasion, and some of the scientific studies, for example, have looked at body language and have looked at the the concept of mirroring in body language. 
um, you're probably familiar with that that concept, but right, yeah. What we're talking yes. about is if I were sitting down next to you and or across the table from you, and wanted to persuade you to to join me in some initiative or effort, I might pay attention to how you're sitting and how you are leaning forward. And if you lean in, I will lean in. And if you lean back, I will lean back. And if you put your elbow on the table, I might put my elbow on the table. And some of the research has suggested that that mirrored body language helps people really feel a connection, that as people are moving, actually physically moving together, they become closer in their ideas, which I find pretty fascinating. And mm-hmm. you can see how this could be very manipulative, but on the other hand, if, you're, if your aim is true, as the song says, um, then, then it can be a powerful way to persuade. Is that something that you are familiar with? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And, and like you said, too, you also have to be careful and be cognizant of what you're doing so that it doesn't look like you're mimicking to the point that it's it can be a, a distraction as well. But I very much right. know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, you absolutely have got to have got to be be doing other things in the pro- You've got to be talking and and be sincere and, and your your movements have to have to be sincere. But if you can get on that same physical wavelength with your audience, you're going to be better off. Mm-hmm. Other things worth thinking about, of course, are you know, the facial expression elements of persuasion and, and the importance of looking people in the eye, at least in this culture, in Western cultures, the importance of looking people in the eye, having eye contact, and letting your eyes speak to your authenticity. Mm-hmm. So that you're not staring people down, but you're really engaging them, and there's a kind of sincerity in your in your eye contact with people. Mm-hmm. That's an important element of persuasion, too. You cannot be persuasive. If you're giving a speech, for example, you're talking in a meeting to a number of different people, you cannot be persuasive if you're reading from a sheet and your eyes are down, or you're reading from a computer, you really have got to look at people in the eye. And the other part of, of facial expression that's so important for getting people on board with you is authentically smiling. Yes. Getting people to, it expresses your energy and your emotion, but it also warms people to you and makes them think, you know, you are, you know, you're, you're interested in them. And you're interested in, you believe in your idea and you believe in them. And a smile is so important for getting people to open up their ears and really listen to you. So those are yes. some elements of body language that are critical, I think, to persuasion. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so hard not to like someone who's genuinely and authentically smiling. It's hard not to like them. It's hard. <laughs> so that's a, it's something... Yeah. So body language, certainly I believe in that. Of course, also being careful of are you hovering or towering over someone if you're trying to persuade them that creates a power dynamic that's probably not a favorable one. (laughs) Indeed. You know, so Barbara, this brings me to my next question, and we teased it before the break, and that is what... what is the best way for leaders to expand their persuasive capabilities? Well... One of the things I'd like to I'd like to argue on myself when I think about um, persuasive capabilities is 
spending time listening. And, you know, I, I keep thinking back to that, those old management books about, you know, managing by walking around. But mm-hmm. it's so important to be, to spend time with the people who you want to influence. And rather than, rather than make a barrier between you and them, that you spend time and that you feel comfortable Mm-hmm. And you feel comfortable not arguing with them, not trying to make your point, not worrying about wasting time, but recognizing that listening to people is incredibly, incredibly important time well spent. So spending time simply talking to people and coming to understand them and their point of view, I think, is critical for a leader to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear that so much. I read it a lot, and I've had a number of guests on the show, and that's often the part of the equation that's that's diminished or not given as much attention. And so many, I mean, so many great leaders that I've had this opportunity to have conversations with will say, when we when we're quiet, when we still the tongue and make our ears big, it's amazing what you'll discover. And some people, a lot of, you're hearing, we're hearing the phrase right now, be curious. And what you're saying is, if you really want to have that power of persuasion, you really need to stop and listen. You really need to listen first. And that's what I'm getting from you. Absolutely. So listening not only helps you understand the benefits that, what, what other people will consider to be benefits, what they need or what they want, what they care about and what they value. That's one of the things that's going to happen. But listening also gives you stories to tell. You know, you don't get stories by talking, right? You get stories by listening. And you, you have more to talk about, actually, later on if you spend time listening. So people often forget that. They think that the way to persuade is, in fact, to dominate the airwaves, not mm-hmm. to let anyone get in a word edgewise, not to talk to the people who disagree with them, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you talk to the people who disagree with them, with, with you, your goal should be to either change their minds or you might, you might imagine that you want to ignore the people who disagree with you, especially if you're in a competitive situation. I'm thinking about leaders and, and um, competition or leaders and, and even elections. And rather than talking about national politics, you know, I had a very interesting thing happen to me and my colleagues at Northwestern a couple of years ago that, that I think really speaks to listening. Um, there was an organization came into our university with a goal of creating a union, taking a certain group of faculty and unionizing that group of faculty. And the, the attitude toward having a union was pretty much split 50-50. Half of the people who would be unionized really wanted it, and the other half didn't. And the leaders of this union made an interesting strategic communication choice. They primarily talked to the people who supported them. And they Uh-oh. shut out the people who didn't. I hear where you're going with they, this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because all they didn't need buy-in from anyone, everyone. It was competition. It was an election. They just needed enough votes to win. So... 
what happened? The, the, the ones who, the, the ones that didn't agree but, with them, <laughs> had more. <laughs> I, yeah, keep yeah, going the with the story. Didn't but, agree with them. Never agreed with them. This, the leaders in that organization never actually sat down and talked to understand how they might move people to their position. They never thought about what would make them move. They thought that they knew what the benefits of their position was, and they simply, you know, repeated those benefits, and they also talked more to try to get to the people who agreed with them to try to get them to recruit people to come over to the other side. The, the, the vote was extremely close. It came down to just a few votes that, that made the difference, and ultimately, they didn't win. Uh-huh. You know, if they had if they had spent any time talking to even in this case a few more people, they might have gotten what they wanted, and probably would have had a much more robust solution or proposal that would have appealed to more. That's that's Absolutely. the thing. Absolutely. Yes, mm-hmm. you you should always okay. look for disconcerting or what do you call it, disconfirming information. Exactly, so that you can so that you can address it. But you know that what what people mostly want to do, if they do want to talk to people who disagree, they think again, communication or persuasion is an event. In this conversation, my goal would be to persuade you to change your mind right now, rather than recognizing it's something that happens over time. Mm-hmm. So another thing that leaders I think need to do, in addition to to thinking about listening, is develop some patience. Uh-huh. Yes. And to redefine what efficiency means. Efficiency doesn't mean get it done fast. Efficiency means spending your time well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So in in, in a nutshell, so many things that you've brought up here is spend time really listening, hear, be empathetic so that you can formulate stories. And we know, I, I've had many guests on the show talk about the power of story. Story makes things more concrete. It takes something that seems ethereal or seems whatever, ideas and what have you, and it really makes things much more tangible for people. And that's that's mm-hmm. the power of it. And then, of course, the patience. And like you said earlier, it requires effort. It's all effort. Barbara, we're already at commercial break here. Can you believe it? (laughs) So the time is flying by. So what I want to do is encourage everyone out there, stay tuned. We'll be back here in just a few minutes, and we will wrap things up as Barbara tells us and sends us on our way in terms of how can we be more persuasive in our lives. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be back here in just a few minutes. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to lead up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your hosts, Colleen Biggs and Dee Daniels, speak with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to the show. We've been talking today about the art and science of persuasion. And with that, my guest, Dr. Barbara Schwamm, has shared her expertise and insights and experiences working with leaders around the world about the merits of persuasion when it's used effectively and also some pitfalls along the way. Barbara, one final question I have to ask you, then we'll sum this up. And that is, I'm all about the energy that we have as leaders, so the anabolic, that that positive growth-oriented energy that we bring, and there's also the catabolic, which is can be destructive if we rely on it too much. So when you think about leaders, there's that leadership, there's persuasion. How does energy fit into all of this? Let me suggest two ways. One is definitely the the positive energy, that anabolic energy that comes from the belief that you're doing something that is good for others and good for your organization and that you want to move people in that direction, that movement takes energy. It doesn't just happen. Sure does. So we need positive energy for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'd also like to suggest maybe another category of energy, not, I wouldn't necessarily call it anabolic or catabolic. It's a kind of quiet energy that comes from the active listening, where you're not trying to move people. It takes so much energy to listen well, and a good listener mm. actually infuses a speaker with energy. So as you listen and tone down your energy and are quiet, you, you help people increase their energy and their commitment to what they're doing. So I'd like to add that to your, to your um, list of types of energies that I think are really important for leaders who want to persuade. Oh, you're a genius. I love it. And you're right. You've just really framed it, to use your language, around 
being we've talked about curiosity and reflection and just being quiet. I, I, I love this, Barbara. Okay, so now take us into what are the things us as listeners or the listeners, they've heard this conversation. What can they enact in their lives starting right now to be better at being persuasive? Number one. Listen to people who agree with you and don't agree with you, and do not try to persuade them, at least not immediately. Really listen and ask questions and understand and then reflect. We can do that every day. We can do it at the breakfast table. We can do it with, with colleagues at work. We can do it with children at home. We can do it with people who are in our organizations. Be curious, but really listen and don't try to persuade. Right. Second thing that we can do is recognize that at the heart of persuasion, thinking back to Aristotle, we have, we have pathos, we have ethos, and we do have logos. We have to have good arguments and reasoning, but it has to be arguments and reasoning that will speak to our audience, speak to their values, the things that they care about. And often it isn't the first argument that we come up with. You know, mm-hmm. why someone should do this, something, why something is good. It takes some time and energy to reframe and reformulate arguments. And I'm not talking about manipulating or lying or saying things that are untrue. I'm talking about, about selecting the things that will help people see how something is in their best interest or aligns with their values. Those are two things that we can do every day. We can reframe arguments, we can practice, and we can listen. Absolutely. I'm loving it. And with those two, we can all start doing that right now. Be curious. Don't try to persuade. Really think about what it is that you're going to say that resonates with those that you're engaging with. Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show today. And before we go, if listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Email is great. Um, we can email at uh, Barbara at communipartners.com. Barbara at communipartners.com. Barbara, thank you immensely for sharing all the insights. And I know we could talk for hours on so many other aspects of communication. So you just put that in your back pocket. We're, we're going to have you on the show again down the road. Okay. <laughs> so Excellent. For, now for everyone it out there. It's always delightful to talk with you. Oh, I, me is I always learn from you. That's what I love about this relationship that we have. So thank you. And now for all the listeners out there, if you've got a topic, if you've got a leader that you would love to have on the show and learn more from, send your recommendations my way. I always welcome them at trans- M. Wolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Until then, harness your positive energy, lead that transformation, and I will speak with you again next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.